Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience podcast with Jeanette Lissette. Thought leaders explore the mindset, wellness, and wealth needed to realize next level transformation. Let's get started. I'm Jeanette Blissett, and today's guest is Stefan Neff. He is from New Zealand, was born in Germany. He is an anesthesiologist. He's a best-selling author. He's a speaker. He's a podcast host of Steps to Sobriety, and also he is an alcoholic in recovery. Next Chapter Experience is about introducing to the world people who have experienced some things in their life and have made a decision that something needed to change and something needed to be different. So now Stefan is in his next chapter. He has been led to be a better version of himself in this chapter. And I just wonder how he's getting it all done. So let's talk about that. Okay. How do you get all this stuff done? <laughs> That's a good point. First of all, thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And I love what you're doing. I love that you're trying to be this beacon of hope for people out there because it is, it is so much necessary. The world has gone really to shit. And I don't know anyone who has had a good time in the last two, three years. So uh, voices such as yours are so important to actually bring out the hope because there is hope. But sometimes when we're in the darkness, we can't see it. There has been a lot of darkness in my life, starting early on. Oh, God, multiple traumas that have left their mark on me. And there's so many things. There, there would have been many things that happened in my first seven years that I actually can't remember very much. Yes, there was probably a bit of bullying there. Yes, there was a divorce there in my parents. But all those kind of things, they have left their, their mark, no doubt. We nowadays know that there is trauma from our ancestors that is handed down in our generations. And unfortunately, and there's very clearly there are good studies out there to show that now. And certainly there has been, when I go back to my mom and grandmother, there have been enormous traumas. So probably uh, I started on the back foot <laughs> when you look at students. Then down the line, yeah, middle grade kind of school, not good, not bad. And then one day I became the victim of a gang assault around about 13. And that left me pretty smashed up and pretty, pretty, well, it caused major PTSD. But that was the 70s, 80s. No one knew about PTSD. I certainly didn't have any help or any recognition. But it was rather, uh, since there was no help, I immediately thought about, okay, this will not happen again to me. And the bruises hadn't even healed when I started martial arts. So I went into this martial art journey, which was beautiful and was to a certain degree a rescue for me. And it was wonderful. But of course, I turned into Rambo. I turned into a fighter every second in the day. So I would go to school and then four hours training a day, something like that. And that continued for the next five years. Somewhere around the time, I also got better at school. <laughs> it was very simple. I was not great. And then my dad said, look, man, if you are the best in class, I give you $5. If you're the second best, I give you $2. Anything else doesn't count. And I thought, okay, I can do with some money. Before long, he owed me hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that I was not so dumb after all. Uh, I was saying but... you ended up an anesthesiologist. I'm saying <laughs> you had to have some paper. Okay? Exactly right. <laughs> Whilst I was throwing myself into the schoolwork and into training, 
with hindsight, I became a workaholic much earlier than I became an alcoholic. So I think we are all running away often from our trauma. We are running away and trying to occupy ourselves or numb ourselves, anything to make the pain stop or to give you that fleeting moment of bliss. And that was not different with me. There was no bliss. I was more running away from the pain then. Although there was a peace after a heavy workout. And then in, in the system that I trained, we would kneel down, do some meditation at the end. And that was actually beautiful. You felt your heart rate calm down. You felt your breathing was beautiful. So I remember those moments of bliss, but they were few and far between. Then first year university, I remember it like yesterday. We were sitting on a beautiful Saturday lunchtime in a German beer garden. And prior to that, alcohol had not played a role in my life. But there we were, probably had not much breakfast and had a liter of beer of good quality German beer, nothing watery. And suddenly this feeling of euphoria came over me and I started laughing and my laughter sounded so beautiful. And it was, ah, the world loved me. I loved the world. It was the most beautiful feeling that I could have ever imagined. And that was unfortunately when I, with hindsight, realized that I'm a super responder with dopamine. So give me alcohol or give me something like that. I respond probably stronger than others in the amount of neurochemicals that are released, which so often happens with many drug addicts and alcoholics. And for that matter, if you think, oh my God, that's a bit weird. One in three have got chemical addiction. So look around your best friends, if you had five friends, <laughs> okay, there's 1.6 alcoholics amongst you, or drug addicted. And when I say drugs, that could be, that includes also the cigarette, although there are nowadays less and less cigarette smokers around. But chemical addiction is out there big time. Alcohol became my best friend, and it was a friend in the first five, ten years. It was truly a friend because it made me outgoing. The Rambo slid away. I was able to decompress. I was able to go out there and have a fantastic time. I was able to control the alcohol. I was using it to my advantage because at a certain level, I just was disinhibited. And the guitar came out and I'm probably not the best singer in the world and I'm certainly not the best guitar player, but who cares? And it was for women and girls, it was like moths to the flame. We were always having a great time. So it was beautiful. I had a wonderful time. Having said that, I never learned how to experience my feelings. I never learned how to essentially live a life which is not chemically either suppressed or elevated. So I relied on alcohol as a mediator, okay? And it was a it was a false friend. And as so many people in my shoes have to experience that somewhere down the line, there is no more high. And it's no longer effective, if, even if you drink industrial amounts of vodka, it is no longer effective in suppressing the pain. And that was exactly with me. Is that your beverage of choice? For most alcoholics, it is because it is it leaves the least uh, least smell. If you drink beer or if you drink wine, etc., you smell it a mile away. Any kind of the other flavored drinks, you smell it. Vodka, you tend not to smell as easily. You can, because it's clear, you can hide it in other drinks. It's that kind of thing. So there is already the hallmark of an alcoholic, the hiding 
hiding it all from everyone. I was busy. I was so busy at the time. In the morning, I was hiding that I was hungover. And then during the day, I was hiding that I was thinking about the alcohol. And the evening, I was hiding, buying the alcohol. Then I hit the alcohol. Then I hit my drinking. Then I tried to hide that I was drunk. And then I was asleep. It's yeah. a full-time job to rely on alcohol. So, And that is the hallmark of alcoholism. 95% of alcoholics will tell you there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. So denial is playing part into that, plus we're becoming the hiders. And so it's actually a shitty life. So those of you who are out there who are listening and who know exactly the right places where to hide your bottle, Bing, bing, alarm bell, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the tribe. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> I've wondered about this because I have some close relations who are admittedly alcoholics. They call themselves functional alcoholics. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, the functional. That's how I would have described myself as well. Oh, my goodness. Robin Williams put it quite there. Yes, you can be a paraplegic and a lap dancer, but it just doesn't work so well. That is a functioning alcoholic. That's how he compared it. And yeah, exactly. Bottom line is you're barely functioning. And when we say functioning alcoholic, it just means that you haven't had a DUI, that you somehow kept your job, that you somehow kept a relationship. And I say that somehow, and it's probably not a great relationship that you have got. And if you think that no one knows that you're drinking, you're fooling yourself. Everyone knows. One of my mentors said when he got clean, he was in the finance industry. He was a businessman. And the only reason with hindsight that people he was in business with didn't run away was because he had such ironclad contracts. They knew damn well that he was an alcoholic and given the choice, they would have run a mile, but they didn't. <laughs> so that was interesting because he was under the impression and I, you know, no one knows. Yeah, everyone knows. But I just wonder what thought process an alcoholic goes through when they, number one, consider themselves a functional alcoholic. And the second is that in functioning well, from their perspective, they are not impacting other people with their alcoholism. <laughs> now, you mentioned relationships, okay, how they impact your relationships. How do you think that plays into the pros and the cons of trying to either maintain or establish a relationship if you are an alcoholic. If you say that one in three people are chemically addicted, so chances are that your partner probably has equally some problems. If you look at the issues that plague our society, anxiety disorder, depression, all the mental health problems, my goodness, tell me one person who is not broken. Show me one person who hasn't had childhood trauma and often tremendous traumas. It is not that we are comparing one really broken adult who now relies on alcohol to help himself with a squeaky clean angel that has just dropped from heaven. My ass. There is no such person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fanfaries. No. It's often a, a two-way relationship. It's often, you often migrate to a, a similar people. So my wife was certainly drinking as well for many, many years. And she has got significant trauma in her life. 
nowadays I take it for granted. We all have got trauma and we all have got our skeletons in our dungeons, many of us more than others. And so it was not different here. I think with hindsight, what I have to say is those years of drinking were missed opportunities to heal. These were missed opportunities to grow. I was surviving. Initially, after the gang assault, I was a victim. I then, when I became Rambo, I became the survivor. And that survivor lasted for a long time. And he's still there today. Uh, nowadays, I've got him in a dungeon nicely and then feed him from now and then some scrums down there. Having said that, this guy's good. I love him. I love him because he has helped me. He has saved me for a long time. But nowadays, I like the thriver. So victim, survivor, thriver. And it is the thriving that you don't get to do. You still are in the survivor role when you use the alcohol to numb yourself. You're just about hanging in there. And there is no growth. There is no this beautiful joy of actually conquering one of your fears, conquering one trauma at a time of your past, to create new habits in your life, to learn new things that make you the new and improved version of yourself, that you deny yourself because you rely on the alcohol to numb the pain. You want to escape your reality instead of embracing the reality, warts and all. So when we say look after yourselves, then we mean Look after yourself, i.e. give yourself the breaks that you need to heal, to re-strengthen. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who once said if he was given eight hours to chop down a tree, he would spend it six hours sharpening the saw. Now, sharpening the saw, that is something that we as alcoholics certainly not do. On the contrary, for me, it was the opposite. I was a workaholic, so I was working long hours as a doctor. And then I came home tired, needless to say, but mm -hmm. give me a bottle of wine. Oh, my God. After four, three, four classes, suddenly, oh, all the tension is gone. Cool. I'm awake. Now let's clean up the garage. Let's clean up the kitchen. Let's two o'clock in the morning. Let's Hoover. Okay. That's, and it's that kind of thing. So it had still advantages because it gave me a second wind and those kind of things. And as such, yeah, there are advantages there. But of course, you burn the candles on both ends. And alcohol is not conducive to good sleep. So some people actually think, I take a nice drink in the evening, makes me sleep. Wow. Bullshit. No, it just completely destroys the sleep architecture. No, you're, you're basically, you're burning yourself out. And this boom and bust, that was the high, the classic characteristic of my life for a long time. So nowadays I know how to live in a different life. And that is so beautiful. So if I compare right now, despite all the challenges and the new traumas and the whole shit that this world is in, from being closer to a third world war than we have ever been, COVID pandemic, social isolation, financial downturn slash depression, please. There is nothing nice. And I had to realize that actually with hindsight, the last two years, I had fallen back into the survivor. There was actually not much joy there. From just a joy standpoint, or was there something physically happening or emotionally happening? Where to start, girl? Where to start? <laughs> the traumas, I can list them like that. They just happen. Shit happens in your life, okay? From systems within which you work, change to make life 
more difficult for you and maybe for your patients to mm -hmm. physical trauma, a broken bloody toe and hobbled around and to emotional upset because the relationship with my wife to financial hardship because of incompetence, really, of some of the systems that I work with, etc., etc. And it all came at the same time. And you think, oh, for crying out loud. There were days when I just looked up to the gods and said, really? Another one? Now? And it was just bloody hell. So this was that. But the reality is, in the past, I would have completely relied on a bottle. Nowadays, I, I fell back often into a pity party. Oh, why me? Poor me. But then again, so the victim, I had moments of victim, long stretches of survivor. And it's only more recently when I took back a stronger leadership in my life and actually addressed some of the issues in my life, dealt with some of the things that I suddenly find myself spontaneously humming, singing, doing a little jiggle at work. I can relate to that. <laughs> totally. Okay. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I had forgotten how to do that in the last two years. So this is a skill that I'm just relearning. And it is a habit. Joy and making the most out of your life is a series of habits. I love that. I strongly subscribe to the five-minute gardener principle. And it basically means, imagine you have got a garden, a veggie garden, and you decide now that every day you will spend five minutes in your garden. Never more, never less. Every day, five minutes. After a week, you're going to see a difference. After a month, your family will think, wow, look at all these veggies. We didn't know we had so many veggies growing in the garden. After three months, the whole neighborhood will stand on the fence line and think, whoa. Okay, and that's five minutes a day. Now, imagine you do that in your garden. Imagine you do that in your physical exercise. Absolutely. Imagine you do that in a relationship and so on. So I have literally taken the five-minute gardener and applied it to much of my life. I believe that if a life is worth living, it is worth recording. So what I've done is I've got a, a watch and a smartwatch, and I have programmed it to record all kinds of things. So, for example, if I do gardening, I go click, I start gardening, boom. If I do stretching, if I do yoga, if I do breathing exercises, if I do my sports that I enjoy, click, click, there you go. And you can actually record those things, even learning a different language. I click, there you go. So I can actually record and I can say, wow, look at that. This week I've done so many exercise minutes, uh, I've so many French lessons, so many. And you're actually starting to celebrate right. your achievements. Let me share this with you because this is comical to your point about recording everything. So I use a smartwatch and I program it with whatever I do in terms of my exercise. I have it all set up. And yesterday, my reading was basically telling me, Jeanette, you've done such a fabulous job this week. We want you to take a day off today because you have racked up so many minutes of physical activity already that we are going to give you the gift of a day off. <laughs> so proud of that. Absolutely. And that is so nice. But it is a, a kind of a momentum that is happening, that you are creating. The first step is hard, but then suddenly you find yourself walking and suddenly maybe the initial pains of walking, oh, they are gone. And now suddenly you're walking and you're actually feeling good. That's the same with the cleaning up, with doing chores. More recently, instead of being annoyed about my lazy 
children. And I was saying, oh, just stuff it. And I started to hoover and I started to do things. Instead of being upset that after a long day of work, still everything looks like a mess when they have been at home the whole day, I started hoover. And I realized it actually takes me, I don't know, minutes, seconds, minutes. Is that actually... hoover, hoover vacuum cleaner? Vacuum cleaner. That's oh, it. okay. <laughs> vacuum cleaner. Sorry. Different words, different language. But it's to vacuum clean. And I've got a lovely golden retriever. Uh, and he is, he is white and he has got hair everywhere. There's always another dog lying somewhere on the carpet. But I realized it is so beautiful to vacuum clean. Instead of being annoyed that others didn't do it, I took the joy of seeing, ooh, that is clean now. That is, I did that. So it was this little bit of pat yourself on the shoulder. One job done. And that was about five minutes, three minutes, something like that. And then I throw the washing in and then fold some washing. Five minutes, done. Oh, nice. And then you think about, okay, now about nutrition. Now, you know, it's not just the jaws that you reframe into something positive, but you actually need to think of those needs that your body truly has. The needs of feeling safe, the needs of knowing that it is hydrated, that there is good nutrition coming in. Just these kind of basic needs that we often forget that you get enough sleep, etc. So by doing that, by taking an interest in my nutrition, things are changing. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm using every moment to live more intentional. Because I've lived in the darkness for such a long time, I don't take the light for granted. I try to create the light. And if there's a little spark, a little flame there, I try to give it more oxygen. I try to give it more fuel for the fire and try to grow it. I decided this year to add functional medicine as a diploma to my business. So I'm learning far more about nutrition, far more about the benefits of exercise, of living a healthy life, etc. It is beautiful. Today, in a few moments when we are finished here, I will do some chores. But then, more importantly, I will create kimchi, fermented Asian yeah. gorgeous yeah. food, something yeah. like that. Yeah. This will be something where I say, I've never made kimchi, so I will learn how to do it. I love to learn. I will then do it, which gives me a buzz because I've done something. I've taken action. Plus, the next time I'm eating it, I will say, ooh, that is beautiful because I've made it. I've made it with love. And it's a win-win-win. Before we close out, I have to ask you about one of your books. Should. I was tickled when I read the title of this book. Is it pronounced Esme? <laughs> Ask me the mindful Mind mouse. <laughs> exactly. That is the book. That's the book. Right there. Hey? Did you do the illustrations as well? Yes, I did. we took the photograph. Actually, Esme and her friends are needle-crafted little beings that my fellow author has created, Belinda Manna. And we have positioned them into our beautiful redwood forest that we have got here. And so this is where they live. This is where they have their adventures. And Belinda and I believe that it is much easier to create strong young beings rather than repair broken adults. So therefore, we thought that it would be so nice to actually write children's books that show the benefits of mindfulness. And in this particular case, little Esme, the mouse, needs to learn the difference between having done something bad and being a bad mouse. Because she's vivacious and she does 
funny things and sometimes she annoys her friends by doing that and she has to she wonders oh my god they're angry with me am i bad and no you've done something bad they still love you and it's that journey of recognizing that difference and being more mindful about what you do and what it impacts on on, on others that is what we have tried to put there little esme it was a good fun to create her to go into the forest i love to take good photos we had a ball of a time it's again it's one of these creative things that you would never do when you're hungover but the moment you actually say okay Let's stop hiding. Let's stop escaping our reality. Deal with the trauma and then try to figure out who you want to be when you grow up. That is where the power lies. And those of you out there listening, no doubt you have gone through your fair share of trauma for hard times. And you might still be tempted to try to escape your reality. Please look at look at Janet, look at myself. If we two can get our act together, come on, guys, you've got a very fair chance that you can do. <laughs> okay, so please don't take your current circumstances for granted. And whatever pressures you are on, just stop for a moment. Stop for a moment running. Stop for a moment hiding. Just look after yourself. Just take a moment to take a deep breath. Then with that, you have already taken one action. Go have a glass of water, big glass of water, if it is safe to drink it, wherever you are. Get the water down. Maybe eat something healthy. And next time you eat something, whatever you eat, add something green in there. And maybe in the evening, add something red in there. So whatever you've got. And ketchup doesn't count. Okay, so some healthy things. And before long, you've started changing your life. You've taken action. You're no longer the victim, but you move into the survivor. Or just maybe already sneaking into the thriver. And that is beautiful. So welcome along to our journey. Janet and me are on it. We are having a ball of a time. Yes, we are. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I knew I would actually benefit from having this conversation with you today. I'm glad that we were able to schedule the time to hang out and get to know each other in New Zealand and me here in Phoenix, Arizona. So I really appreciate you giving time to me and to finish uh, your experience. It's been fabulous. I really enjoy meeting with you. Now, here's the deal. I don't want you to be a stranger. I know you're going to get so busy because you're so popular. When you get my request to do a second appearance, I hope that you give me at least some consideration. Please, Janet, there's no question there. And that is the beautiful thing. The opposite to addiction is connection. By actually me turning up today here, showing up is 80% of the success. And here we are. We have created connection. We're having a good time. I've reinforced some of my principles. And by actually just spelling it out, my ears are listening to what I say. And I think, oh, actually, not bad what comes out there. So maybe, maybe let's do exactly what you've just recommended. So it's a reinforcing cycle. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So now I would be honored to come back to your show sooner or later. Of course, you are on my show. (laughs) Again, I appreciate you giving us some time today. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. It was a privilege and an honor to be on your show. Bye. Mine too. Thank you for tuning in to this episode.
episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.